0: Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 76. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how I spent a year changing my first thought of the day.
1: And I'm Todd, and I'm going to talk today about how God doesn't call us to relate to Him as our employer, but as our Father.
2: And I'm Debbie, and I'm going to talk about how it's okay to have doubts and ask questions that it can help deepen our faith.
0: All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. You guys thanks so much for being on glad to be here, glad yeah. to be here Jackson. appreciate it uh, a fun time right now because we've just wrapped up our mending fences series first series to kick off the year i think just a lot of exciting things that have come out of this series as well so let's just look before we dive into this weekend specific let's look series wide and just say like what are you what are you kind of walking away with from this series what are you taking away
1: I'd say for me, it's just been really encouraging to hear people's feedback. And I think the the point of this series has kind of happened, meaning we wanted to say on the one hand, how do we help grow our own, build up, fortify our own faith in these areas where people commonly will walk away down those trails. And I think that's really been good for us to take a look and examine and and maybe even help people who are on the edge of walking that way to reconsider. But I also feel like it's been really rich for people who have maybe been encouraged. Maybe we should re-engage mm. with the people in our relational worlds who've walked away from their faith and not just put them out to pasture. I love the week that Rick was here because it was so practical about how to even have those conversations versus just awkwardly trying, which I've done. And, uh, I just really appreciated that a ton. Yeah.
0: That's great. What about you, Debbie?
2: Yeah. So for me, um, you know, in my own faith, I'm not, I have not been one to typically have lots of doubts, but I have had people in my world who've had doubts. And a lot of times my response has just been like, well, don't doubt. And that's not, Mm. you know, super helpful. And so through this series, I have learned that there are, um, appropriate and safe places to ask those questions, Mm. you know? And so, um, in my own life, not being so confident to think that I might never have those doubts. I need to have those guardrails in place that I have a group of people I can talk to, um, that I am consistently pursuing the Lord, you know, in my my personal walk, um, so that when those do arise, I'm, you know, prepared, but then having more humility for the people um, in my world when they do ask, hmm. ask questions.
0: Yeah. Building a little bit of that, like, okay, I can see where that's yes. coming from a little bit better than just... Yes. Well, how, how could how you could have you that doubt. question? Yes, yeah. for sure. No, so that's I think been good for me. I think that's been a huge part of the series is building a little bit more of that, um, you know, I would almost say rational compassion. Yes. Right. To say I, I can cognitively understand where some of these problems are coming from. Mm-hmm. And so these people aren't the boogeyman. They've got some like really good reasons maybe as to why they've ended up where they've ended up. So how can I be helpful understanding a little bit more of the context? And I would say for me, it's been a, um, it's been a good challenge in a series to just kind of reengage and kind of go back over those people in my life who have walked away from their faith. Like, thinking through what am i supposed to do with those people like where do they fall Mm -hmm. Um, because some of them uh, and there have been some people in my life that it i very clearly felt convicted i need to snatch them like they're they're walking down something that's going to be dangerous for them and i need to pull them back Um, and i had the relational equity to do that but then there's other people this has been the real challenge of this series for me Is I've got a lot of people that I have known from previous seasons of my life who have walked away now and I keep track of them on social media. And so trying to figure out in that kind of voyeur relationship that I have with them where I'm kind of peeking in on their life, but we don't have much of a relationship anymore. Like where where do I start with them? but realizing like it's okay maybe they're not i'm not in a position with them to snatch them away from the maybe destructive things they're headed towards but i want to keep that you know rick's challenge was great i want to keep that door open in the relationship so instead of me just kind of passively watching them walk away like i want to at least be able to maintain a relationship with them so that if there comes a point that they would have a crisis or they would look to turn I could, I could be there to talk to them accessible.
1: Can I just say, you know, as you were sharing that, it made me think of something we'll talk often about the ills of technology, especially as Christians. And because we see them be used for so many poor things, but it just made me think of, as you were sharing that when people, people have lots of views on social media, I'm fine with that. That's not the issue. But I thought about if we weren't engaged as just friends or whatever on social media, would we even know? Mm. Like those people that we're close to for sure, but go back to, like you said, seasons, like that's where mine really come from are people who seasons ago I was close to, but I've lost touch with and only through social media. And I think about how powerful is that of the, of the pro of social media, even in a voyeuristic way, like I'm not really connected, but I see what they post. I can be at least aware of they're not walking with the Lord. It doesn't seem like, and I wouldn't have even known. Otherwise and I go that's kind of a cool thing that social media lends itself to and then the goal would be not just knowing But then like you said acting taking a step in a thoughtful way like Rick encouraged us
0: because that's that catch-22 of technology, right? like I know now more about people that I have shared a season of life with ever than anybody else has ever known in the history of the world And I also bear the burden of knowing what's going on with everybody I've ever (laughs) known, which is maybe more than I should know, you know? So it's that kind of balance of like, and that's been the real challenge for me is like, okay, I don't want to just passively watch, but also I have to understand where the relationship is at too. like we're pretty far from each other at this point, probably both geographically and relationally. So how can I just like from a distance maintain so that I keep the door open if God wants to do something in that relationship, but I'm not gonna bear the burden like I would, man, somebody that's in my small group here at the church that I'm actively in this season of life with, I'm gonna say, okay, I just wanna kind of maintain that relationship. But it was a good encouragement for me because I realized I've been really passive in a lot of those relationships. And just been like, ooh, look at what's, you know, almost kind of like what you talked about with curiosity, like, ooh, look at what's going on with this person, but I'm not doing anything about it. So that's been kind of the tension. This weekend, though, if we jump over to this weekend, uh, we looked at kind of two different hungers, one for satisfaction and one for approval. Um, If we were to kind of look at that or you were to look at that in your own life would you say either of those hungers or a temptation to be kind of hungry for the approval of other people or satisfaction outside of Christ has been true in your faith and if it has if that's popped up at a certain point like What did you do about it? How did you combat it? How did you approach that and kind of correct it?
2: Yeah, for me personally, I've struggled with approval most of my life, (laughs) you know, just wanting, um, you know, the different people that are in my world, whether that's even acquaintances or my close friends to, um, you know, to have approval in their eyes. And I think, um, as years have gone on and my relationship with the Lord has grown, I have to go back to, I have to be living, you know, what's true to God's word and what he's called me to. Um, you know, I've had friends who have maybe started dabbling in different things outside of the Christian faith and, uh, you know, they make you feel like somehow they're like what you talked about this weekend, like they've got this special knowledge and that you're somehow not growing or you're behind in the times or that kind of thing. And it can be really easy, um, to not have those safeguards up and go down that road and have those conversations. Mm. And, um, for me, you know, I have to just continually go back to Christ and say, okay, you know, does Christ approve of this? Like, who am I in Christ and what does he say? And what does God's word say? And not necessarily, you know, um, seek their approval of the, of the people that are in my, you know, in my relational world. I mean, I want them to like me. I want to have influence. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, having a steady faith and, uh, showing that, um, you know, your faith is going to stand that test of time, that it's not just tossed with, you know, whatever the current, you know, popular thing is, um, is, is going to actually have more influence in the long run than giving in to whatever, you know, approval and mm. approving of what they're doing at that time.
0: Yeah. That's really good. And, and I appreciate the that's such a true reality for any of us like we all have those people in our life that they're they're chasing off after this thing or after this thing and it it just it just gnaws at that little piece of us that's like man I wonder if that's what's been missing for me right like it just it kind of gets at that one thing in us and it is so hard to like not want to kind of explore a dangerous curiosity there exactly. and say, Oh, maybe, I don't know. But to cut that off and say, I, that's not the approval that I'm looking for. Right. And, um, man, that is a, that is a true challenge. I think for each of us, what would you say?
1: Yeah. As I was listening this weekend. Jackson, and I were just at a men's retreat and I was thinking about the conversation we had with a young man. It was almost like you were talking about that whole conversation without Mm -hmm. ever saying it. And I was just in that moment by the fireplace listening and just thinking about that kind of satisfaction in terms of not so much kind of secret things of faith that, you know, maybe I, I don't know enough or I haven't been enlightened, but more of just the struggle. With sin and just wanting to be done, and just feeling like this is never going to get really better. Are my affections for what God says is not good for me? Are those ever going to change? And it was heartbreaking to hear him share and and realize then where that was leading him. And and it wasn't like because it's been hard for three months. It's like been hard for twenty years, you know, or fifteen years, and never really finding that sense of of just kind of getting over the hump as it were into a place that he feels like I can just walk with the Lord and not have that constantly ringing in my head. And so I get that, like it was powerful to have that conversation and then to be rightly concerned about, but what you're looking into, bro, I don't know. That doesn't sound like good Orthodox theology and, and just trying to encourage, you know, him in that. So not only then, that's not just all third person. I'm thinking of that in my own life too. Mm-hmm. Like, God, I want to, want to walk with you in a way that, and I think what I, I see in scripture is, and this is hopefully the thing that we'll keep coming back to. It's not so much that God hasn't given us enough. It's that we haven't looked into or explored enough of what he's given us. Mm. And I feel like that's what the guardrails are. It's like, the minute I start thinking, well, maybe there's something you did so well this week in Jesus Plus, I don't think it's Jesus plus I keep coming back to, but maybe I haven't surrendered myself a right to not only the word of God, but the indwelling spirit of God. And it's, and it's all there. The resources I need are there, but I just haven't taken advantage Mm. to the way I still need to. And that's what I want to keep reminding myself and hopefully having conversations like that.
0: Yeah. I love in, in Galatians six, that great line, God is not mocked a man reaps what he sows if you sow by the flesh you'll reap the death and destruction If you sow in the spirit, you'll reap life. And I think that's such a true Picture for exactly what you're saying. I've got every I've got all the all the power that I need in the Holy Spirit But it is my life sowing in the spirit. Am I investing in the spirit day over day? Or am I investing in things that are going to give sin greater influence in my life? Because to be honest, like those aren't even like overtly evil things all the time. Sometimes I just spend way too much time on social media and I'm sowing in the flesh by doing that because I'm allowing the world to have the predominant influence over my life that day. Instead of I think that's really when you boil that passage down. That's really what he's talking about What has the predominant influence in your life? And so often it's not the spirit for us because we get distracted by things that are easier by things that are flashier, whatever it is and um, Man, I I think that that presents such a um, challenge for us to say God I I don't want to miss out on all the riches of life with you. Like we have to remember those promises from Jesus that he came, that we would have life and have it abundantly, not that we would white knuckle our way through things or that everything would be this hard. It doesn't mean there's not challenge. There's not difficulty, but at the end of the day, like that's what he came to give us. So when I'm not experiencing that, I do kind of have to walk back and say, what am I missing? Like, what am I not leaning into? Cause he's given me everything that I need. And so, when you see that sense of like there's dissonance, things aren't going well. How do you how do you press in? How do you sow in the spirit? What is what's kind of your guys' next next step when you see that that thing has popped up in you? Where do you go from there?
2: Yeah. Well, for me, you know, um, the Christian faith is often described as a as a race, right? And I think as as Christians and even as Americans, it's like, we think if I work at something, it's going to get easier. Like at some point, this is going to be easy. And, um, you know, I really do think it's coming back, you know, each day and saying, you know, this is a race and it's not going to be easy. And it's something I'm going to need to work at. Mm. Um, I remember, I think it might've been with you telling me, you know, you know, in your faith, you're either pursuing God, you're going closer to him, or you're distancing yourself. And so, um, you know, we do. We just have to keep pressing on and um, look at each day as a new opportunity to, you know, hit the refresh and, and continue in that race.
0: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the rhythm of liturgy because of that. Like, yeah. I think that's such an interesting fact about I was real I think all growing up I was like I think that's so boring like to just have a repeated motion in your right. faith and like how do you not start going through the motions and you totally can you can check right. your heart out of it but I think having something that's regular in our life that we just keep coming back to whether we feel like it or not is such a huge thing for right. keep, for maintaining our faith cuz there's those seasons man it's so easy to just keep coming back to God over and over and over again cuz I love him, he loves me. Everything's moving in the right track. But yeah. then there's those other seasons where it is just feels like a grind to make time, to lean in and uh having that that pattern of like, hey, no matter how I feel, I'm going to do this right. today. Um I think that's a huge thing for that leaning in even when we don't feel like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think for me on that topic, I'm you know, when I think of God's word, it's not changing but I'm constantly changing or my circumstances are. So even what I know, I I might know intellectually, but I don't know at a soulish level in this season and, and really not only trusting it, but then also being able to have good guides. Mm. I think there's some great, like some of my favorite reading are from people that I've just kind of keep reading again and again, whatever their newest book is, I'll probably pick it up. And, and allowing them to kind of speak into some of those different things. That's one thing I really loved in this series. It was the most resource-rich series I've ever yeah, been a part of. And I love the collaboration in it and all the things that we came out from. I heard so many good things when I even... Um, promoted the first book the dallas willard book about the 23rd psalm i'd only gotten about halfway through it but knowing dallas and just the incredible wise godly man that he was that it was going to be rich and good but i've had so many people tell me how grateful they were for that recommendation because he's just kind of walked them through things we know, like that's the most known Psalm in all the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then just to kind of take another cut at it and go, God, what does this mean for me to be under your care? And so I think finding good guides yeah. to keep bringing me back to God's word, keep, uh, you know, helping me understand it, apply it. Um, that's, that's that sowing in the spirit, mm. you know, that, that I, I guess, engage the most.
0: That's powerful because that is so the role of the body right that's why we don't go off and hide out in a cave with our bibles because you're gonna you're gonna get all messed up alone like you need those and i think that's even to the rhythm of coming to church on a regular basis um, being in a small group those two things also give you guides right you get a you get a guide from the stage that weekend you get a guide uh, in the different people that are in your small group and those i think what's so beautiful about the body of Christ is what I find time and time again is generally the thing that is really a hindrance for me or it's slowing me down or it's something that I just kind of can't get past. It's generally not true of anybody else that I'm sitting with at the table. And that's so refreshing to me because it's like, oh man, like you guys are doing well in this area that I am struggling. Like help me out. And there's such a, you know, you get that shot in the arm when you hear a message on the weekend. You get that, um, get to ask more practical questions about like, well, how are you making this work in your life in a small group setting? And those give you those great guides as well. um, Because that's the nature of it. We don't do like superhero ninja Christianity. We need each other. um, And not any one of us is capable of being that consistent guide for everybody else. That's why Jesus is that ultimate guide. And then you've got those people that you get to look to and say, follow me as I follow Christ, you know, and hopefully each of us have some of those people in our life as well. Um, so that's such a, a like rich way to lean in and be encouraged. And, you know, I think the, as I was getting ready for this message, the big theme that I feel like in wrapping up this series has just been so true time and time again in people that I am in relationship with or I have watched deconstruct their faith and walk away is there is at the core of it a lack of transformation that makes them feel like just none of it was real. And I get that because I have grown up in the church and growing up in the church, I felt such a dissonance between the things that I wanted and who I was and who I knew I was supposed to be at church and that dissonance really does leave you with this like I don't know if any of this is real and so of course we've got really shaky ground that a lot of young people have built their faith on of course they're deconstructing so we look this weekend at how really the the power power for change, deep change in our life, comes from first leaning into our identity in Christ, the who we belong to, that we belong to God through what Christ has done for us in the gospel, and that makes us his kids, that makes us holy and righteous and beloved. That's all great conceptually, um, and it's kind of a big thought to wrap our mind around. What are some practical ways that people listening to this could lean into their identity in Christ this week? Like, let's take it from a, you know, big theological yeah. concept to like, how practically could I lean in a little bit?
2: Um, I do think having confidence in Christ's sacrifice, mm. you know, just really um, coming back to that, you know, that it's not Christ's sacrifice plus this um, and I think any time that we are tempted to need to add something, you know, to Christ's sacrifice, it's just, we got to just come back. Um, I know for um, you know for me personally in my own walk. Um, it is really easy working at a church to think that, you know, to find your identity and other things. You mm. know, if I do a really good job at this or if I help somebody. And I think coming back to, you know, where, where's my starting point and then allow those actions, um, to come from a place of what the Holy Spirit's calling you to do. Mm. When we act out of, um, you know, trying to get satisfaction from other people or approval, we end up exhausted. Like when we're acting out of what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us, we're energized. And so, um, you know, when I come to a place where I find myself, okay, well, I'm doing all these things that I think God wants me to do, but I'm uh grumpy, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm tired and all these things, then I know, okay, I'm not operating from a place of really um, accepting that Christ sacrifice mm. is enough. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just making the tweaks, to, you know, get back on track. That's like one of those things that, you know, you get a little bit off course. And if you continue in that direction could, you know, leave you of a place that, you know, that you're off track. And so course correcting and, um, you know, resting in the fact that Jesus is enough mm. and it's through his sacrifice and who he says I am that then I have, you know, have what I need to be able to serve the church and love others and and point people to him.
0: Yeah. What a great, what a great barometer, right? If I'm, you know, in the things that I'm doing for God, Mm -hmm. if I end up exhausted and grumpy on the other side of it, I'm probably not doing it for God. I'm probably doing it for other people (laughs) and I'm getting a little sick and tired of them along the way. Yeah. That's great. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, and I think even about that, there've been seasons in my ministry world that I have felt more like God's employee mm. than his son. Yeah. And those are great checks on my soul. And I don't think that's just reserved for people in vocational ministry. Right. I think of people that are watching that are small group leaders that serve with yeah. kids and students and in other capacities that again in other aspects of their life they're hopefully bringing everything under the leadership of Christ They're not thinking secular and sacred, but it's all a part of their, their walk with the Lord. And it's just easy to forget because of all the different, when you think of identity in Christ, there's all these relationships that God says in his word that we are to him creator, created being king, subject, um, you know, uh, these different, uh, aspects of leadership and followership, mm. uh, like Christ and disciple. Mm. But the one that I think has always been most, um, powerful to me is father and child, and you said a minute ago, God's kids, you know, is what we are. And man, that was such a rich reminder when I was feeling this sense of burnout of just going man, God, I feel like that's how I'm relating to you. Primarily, my worth is found in what I'm contributing or how I'm leading or the next hill we're going after. And then realizing that is not one of the relationships <laughs> that God has called me into is employer and employee. Yeah, And having to come back to go. And the beauty is even out of that relationship of father to child, he gives me a role in the family. So it's not like, it's just we hug all day. I mean, there there is something, there is the family business and there is a role to live out But my relationship and my worth to him is not found in the role. And that's just been so good for me. I think it was interesting, by the way, a couple weeks ago on the curiosity one, when that book that we talked about, Tempted and Tried, that's what he started with. He said, temptation begins with a confusion of identity. Mm. That's powerful because in, in that Serpent Eve conversation, I loved how he said it. The serpent made Eve think she was submissive to him. Yeah. I'm the one... Coaching, telling you yeah. what to do, and she forgot who she was. I thought, oh, that's so powerful in our everyday lives that I, I can't forget that I am connected to, rightly related to, uh, a son or a daughter of the Most High King, an heir, an heir. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't live subject to the ways of this world, and yet how easily I fall prey to that because I forget whose I am.
0: Yeah, we get we get so easily deceived that way. Um, It's so common for us to think, well, I just can't get past this thing, or I can't get over this thing. And we forget the, I mean, man, you think about the image of a kingdom, how the king's kids walk around in that kingdom. It's not like, well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I should. It's like, I'm I'm a kid of the king. Like I'm an heir. Like I walk around. People know what's going on, and I'm walking around not with a a cockiness, but a confidence of my. Like how many people do we have who have followed Jesus for so long that fill churches that aren't even confident on a weekly basis that they belong in the church, let alone in the kingdom in the presence of God, and um, it feels so weird and so foreign. To say like that's who I am and to it feels almost in some ways like I think there might be a dissonance for us or a tension. it feels almost name and claimy right like I'm a kid of the king and so I get my way kind of a thing but I think when we when we downplay it too much you miss out on all of the power that there is for transformation in your life like I even love your example of working like Even that relationship that God talks about in the work that we're to do with him that Jesus talks about, you've got farmer and harvester. I love that he calls us harvesters because he's already done all the work. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is go, go pick the grapes. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, that's not a hard job. But we make our job in ministry this whole, like, well, I got to plant the seeds. I got to make them grow. It's like, no, man, he's doing all of that. I just got to go get the grapes. Like, that's all I got to do. That's my job. Like, it's a really simple job that he gives us. Um, and there is so much like confidence I think we can begin to have when we begin leaning in. Like I would say for me, the two things I was thinking about a lot as I was going through those wheels in this message was there was a long period of my life. It took me so long to even recognize it. Um, but there was a long period of my life that my first thought every morning was why is God mad at me today? That was my, that was my starting like thought and the, the whole nature of identity is such a weird one to get into because it really is it starts with your thought life Right. It starts with how you think about yourself how you view yourself and that's why it is so hard to change But when it begins to change you really do begin to see change in the thing that you long for change in which is your behaviors But there is this like really big battle to fight in how you see yourself and so growing up as a as a pastor's kid, as a kid in the church, there was so much pressure to, you know, like I talked about this weekend, to just keep cleaning the yard. And I never really saw anything deeply transformed in my life. I just wanted to keep the surface clean so that everybody would think everything was okay. And so there was such a, there was such a battle my sophomore year of college. I remember every morning that I woke up, I would try my best to catch that thought. Like it was still going to happen, but I just wanted to catch it. I didn't want to get six steps down that train of thinking. I just wanted to catch it right when it happened. And so it would pop up and I would try my best to catch it. And sometimes I'd get carried away and I'm two hours into the day and I'm like, man, I've gone the last two hours thinking God was mad at me. And that was how I started the day. And so there was such a, it took a whole year to really reform. Like it sounds so dumb, but to reform my first thought of the day. But that was such a battle worth fighting because I was starting every day in negative ground with God instead of starting in the reality that his mercies were new for me day over day. And it doesn't even matter what happened last night. I still stand right before God, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. And it took a a long time to become more confident in that and to allow it to shape the way that I think. And so there is such a... I, it almost turned into like, it wasn't a fun game, but it turned into a game for me. And I honestly think where we become aware of those things, those gaps where I'm believing the lie, that I that I am what I've done, or I am so far and so distant from God, um, when I begin to believe that lie and I have that confusion of identity... I'm going to become so much more susceptible to all, all kinds of sin because it starts with, well, I'm not even who I, who I think I am or I'm not who God thinks I am. I'm really X, Y, or Z, and I'm allowing other things to define me instead of him. So I think beginning to play that game, find those things that are um, those gaps in the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we look at ourselves, and as we become more confident in that, I think we see behavior follow as well.
2: Yeah. This weekend in Kids Church, we were talking about um, just how we have direct access because of Jesus' sacrifice, that we have direct access to him, Mm. that we can go to him with anything. We don't have to go to a tabernacle. We don't have to go to somebody else to be able for them to talk to God for us. Um, And I think, you know, even what you're talking about of taking our thoughts captive, of knowing I can work through that in a personal way with the Lord, if there's something I'm struggling with, Mm. you know, that I have direct access um, in that relationship to, you know, to take those thoughts captive and and work through that with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think a a good encouragement for us as we, as we land the plane on this series. And, um, you know, like we said at the beginning, I think it's been I think it's been rich, encouraging, I know, for each of us at the table, but I think also for our church family. So it's been a fun one to explore. Thanks for taking the time today, you guys. I you're appreciate
1: welcome. it. Love getting the chat.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully it's been a helpful episode for you. As always, don't forget to um, subscribe so that you get updates on future videos that come out. Like this video. Maybe give us a comment of what you're taking away from this series as well. We would love to know that. Um, but that's all we have for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.